all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It's not I can just do whatever I want, like I am great, I can do great things, I'm, I'm amazing, I can do something. But another an Amplified says it like this, I can do all the things that God wants me to do. <laughs> it's just like, okay, this is, a, it, it's kind of like a catch there. Everything God wants you to do, I can do. But the exciting part of that news is there's so much more that God wants you to do than I'm doing and you're doing. There's so much more to be said than behind this pulpit with this microphone. There's so many more people to talk to than, than are here tonight. You know what I'm saying? If, if your hope and expectation and mine is only on uh, service and ministration from this platform or in this building, that, that's wonderful. We need to do that. But think about the multitude of people, the multitude of, uh, our pastors even said it, the multitude of platforms and pulpits and doors all over the place. So how does that even happen? It only happens if I'm really connected to the power source. If I've got the pow- if I've got a hold of a power source and I, I don't want to touch an electrical wires tonight to prove anything to you, I know that's powerful. But if I do and I got a hold of you, supposedly you'll get the shock. I, I'm not going to try it. I've read about that. But I, I, I want that Holy Ghost power to flow through me, but it has to flow through me for a purpose. It doesn't just flow to me. That's the worst kind of Christianity. Christianity that's just the end to itself. I'm just here for more for me. I just need a lot more for me. And I'm not saying that God can't answer my prayers and help me in the situation, but there's an amazing thing about even when I'm in need, allowing the Lord to flow through me to someone else, it does fill my need. There is a change there. There's a change there. Here's the, I've got so many verses that are popping in my mind right now. Lord, help me. So I, I want you to pray this. I, I, I genuinely believe that this concept I'm going to attempt to talk about is the most important thing we can talk about as a church. And that is the business of the church. Jesus said, here's why I'm, I've come on the earth. It's not to, a lot of the things you guys think I'm here for. I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm here to connect. And I, 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 that's why I feel this message is so powerful. It's literally in line with what his purpose is. So I want you to pray one more time. Pray that God would anoint your minds to hear and God would use me and that I would not be in the way the Holy Ghost would speak through me. I pray the Holy Ghost anointing. Father, um, with all my heart, I'm asking for your anointing right now. Pour it out in this place. I'm receiving the Lord that anointing from prayers that are here. Not so that I'll do such a great job, but that I won't be in your way and you'll speak through me. Oh, Lord Jesus, do a work, I pray, in my life. I know nothing gives us more satisfaction in our spiritual man than to know we're making a difference in the lives of people. Nothing makes us feel more empty than to think we're not making a difference in anyone's life. Help us, Lord Jesus. Talk to us. Talk through me, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus' name. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Zach, for a lovely music. I appreciate that. We serve a great big God, a powerful God, wonderful King. He's able. Can anybody say amen? He's able. Serve a wonderful God. I've read, prayed, thought, fasted, 
read and prayed some more about this to try to put into words all of the wonderful things that there are, and there's too much. So the Lord kind of limited me in my own my thinking to just really two main categories of points. I've got those divided into six sections each. But I'm going to do my best to really just elaborate those, open those up so you can hear them quick, clearly. Here's what Jesus said. Remember, Jesus told parables. For all of you storytellers like me, remember, Jesus made up stories all the time. He did. Now, he told things that happened that were truth, but when he told parables, they didn't happen. People sometimes forget that. There was no prodigal son. That was a story he made up. There was no Samaritan. This is a story he made up. Um, there, was, there was no um, rich man and, and, a, and a poor man that sat at his gate. It's a story he made up. He made it up to prove a point. And it was a, it's a parable. It's multiple points, a message. Um, sometimes people get really offended by that. It's like, really? Jesus made things up? Yeah, that's called a parable. He told, told stories, a lot of stories. He just said, there was a man, and this thing happened. The listeners knew because that was a common uh, teaching style for rabbis in that day. Common thing. They'll tell a story, and you're supposed to get the message out of it. Of course, Jesus was not just an ordinary rabbi. So his wasn't just one little story or one little message. It was a multitude of messages. It's the living word of God. So here's the story he told. This lawyer that had been questioning Jesus, lawyer that wanted to know how to do right, the Bible says willing to justify himself, and that's usually the, the place right there where we all have problems. You can underline that section. That's, our, that's all of us, justifying myself. That's where every excuse comes from, willing to justify myself. We can say all kinds of amazing things because we're willing to justify ourselves. And who is my neighbor? That's the question. So Jesus tells a story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his clothing, his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him. So he got a little closer. And he passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, underline that word, because that's important. We're gonna, you're, the listeners around Jesus hear that phrase, and, and they believe where they know the story is going to go. As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, the next day when he departed, he took out two pence, took out some money, and gave them to the host, and said to him, take care of this man that's injured. Whatever you spend more, when I come again, I will pay you back. Now Jesus says, which now of these three, that's the priest, that's the Levite, that's the Samaritan, 
which one of these do you think was a neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, he that showed mercy on him? And Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. Okay. There are at least six errors that we could be guilty of that Jesus illustrates in this story. At least six. And I, I started that sentence uh, four times. I said there were at least three errors. And I said, no, wait, there's at least four. And then five, now I'm at six. So if you see more, then that's the seventh error. I missed that one. Error number one is that I can love God and not really care about people. Ooh. I can love God and not really care about people. Now, we recently learned that we have different personality strengths, different personality mentalities, but no matter how we go about loving people, whether that's mushy and up close and personal or at a distance, it's still, there's still love. It's still a different, maybe different kind of love. Maybe it's a more stern love or maybe it's a more emotional love, but still love. This error that we find in that message is, the error is, I can love God and not really care about people. Listen to what John said. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, you're a liar. Wow, that's harsh, John. For the one who doesn't not love his brother whom he has seen, can you see your brother? Blink, 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 blink. Get your eyes working. Cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. One of the core problems we have, um, I guess just in our busy world, and our and our just our to-do list and our hurry and rush is that it's okay for me to love God and not really care about you. It's okay for me to love God and just I hope you're fine or not even talk to you or avoid you or not be around anybody or not not even reach for anyone. It's okay for me to love God, and that's not true. That's an error. So much so that John says, I'll tell you how much you love God. I have a test. I've got a complete, perfect way to measure. It's not a chain. It's not a laser. It's not a ruler. It's not one of those slides. Show me your brother. Show me your sister and how you treat them. Now I'll show you how much you love God. Because it's so common for our mouth to say, Oh, God, you're awesome, and I love you, and I thank you for your kindness to me, and you've had mercy on my life, and today you've given me grace, and, and we praise and honor God. But the brother we see right in front of us, the sister we see, those who are in need especially, we avoid. We don't look at. We just don't think about. We don't care for them. Wow. Connections are so powerful. Connections change everything. As a church connects to the world, the world has a chance to change. I don't have this on your paper, but it's burning in my heart. You may want to write it down somewhere. No connection, no change. Little connection, little change. Great connection, great change. 
No connection, no change. If you're, if you're never around them and they're never around you, you have no fear and they have no fear. There'll be no change of anybody. When you're around someone constantly, it's impossible for there not to be some change on someone's part. Hopefully, the one with the Holy Ghost that has a live connection to heaven will be the one making the change, making the change in the other. What is the, what's the best way for the world to stay worldly? It's to avoid this place. Don't come here. That would be bad for you if you want to stay in the world and stay lost. Because, man, these services are powerful and the Holy Ghost moves and you may come in hard-hearted and hear something and start crying or maybe even if we just had this happen, a friend of yours start praying and before you know it, you're praying. You didn't mean to. I've been in services. My very first revival I ever preached, I thought I was being successful. This young lady over here was praying and crying and we prayed through the Holy Ghost and the pastor said, well, I'm glad that worked out that way. And I said, what do you mean? Well, uh, she broke up with her boyfriend, was really upset, came to church crying. <laughs> I thought it was my preaching. It wasn't me at all. She was just upset. And we prayed her through because of a boyfriend that broke up. Hallelujah. <laughs> the things can happen. So what I'm saying is, what do we do with Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ said, I care. I love them. I'll do whatever it takes. And yet his church can, if we're not careful, very much say, I love him, and I don't have to care about them. Oh, Lord, I just I want the Holy Ghost to speak so strongly in this place. I know it's Wednesday night. I'm not wanting you to run around or be crazy or throw your things in the air. I just want the power of the Holy Ghost to work in us. I want God to talk to me. I want there to be a transformation in the way I am now till afterwards. Could someone say amen that believes that? Wants that for your life. Error number two, I don't have any responsibility if someone gets themselves into trouble. After all, they should have known better. I don't have any responsibility. When Jesus told this story, every listener could have thought, he, you're telling me he went down that pathway by himself and got robbed? Of course he did. All of us know you have to travel in a group. You need guards. You need, that's called, they don't call it the bloody way in the 5th century still. The bloody way or the red way for nothing. Who, what crazy person is going to carry valuables and go down that path? It descends thousands of feet into a valley around stone outcroppings anyone could be behind. You're going to travel with a, an entire gang of people. There's protection in numbers. You're by yourself? That, that's your own fault. They could have said that. That, makes, that would make sense to them. That we would hear the story and not get it. But that happens in our life. We think, well, that, they got themselves in trouble. I don't have responsibility to help them. That's their fault. How many of people we see around us in our world that are in a world of hurt, and really it's just their fault. They shouldn't have started that. They got a drug addiction. They got a problem. They bought that and they should have bought it. They're hurting. They, they, they married that guy and they knew he sh they shouldn't have or whatever the reason is, all kinds of problems. And we can say, it's not my responsibility. They should have known better. What's the Bible say? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What does Ephesians say? Once you, that's me, that's you, were dead 
because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in this unseen world. He's a spirit that works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, say all of us, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we are subjected to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. You know, we we need to refresh our course on, and what all of us do is realize how can we brag about things we didn't do for ourselves. Paul said, why would you brag about something you didn't get? You didn't work for it. You didn't produce it. You didn't make it. It's the mercy of God. We've got to, we need to walk in that and realize we are just here because of God's mercy and kindness. The third error is my reputation is more important than getting involved with the lives of people. My reputation is more important than getting involved with the lives of people. Now, this part is relates to the priest. The priest, when Jesus, Jesus didn't have to pick these guys out, but he did, of course, for exact reasons, the word of God. There's a reason behind every, there's not a mistake in anything he said. Exactly right. He picked the priest of all people. That's the top of the hierarchy in the, the, the Jewish religion at that time. He had certain restrictions. In this story, he's on his way. He's passing. If he goes and checks on the man and touches them, and it turns out to be a dead body, he is unclean for seven days. His priestly role he's supposed to do at the temple, he cannot do. He's got to go through a ritual cleansing. He's got to hand his, his uh, work over to somebody else. He can't be a part of it. So he's just not going to touch him. Of course, we know that even the Jewish law says Everything in the temple and all the priestly ordinances are less important than the safety of a person. But he got to the point where serving God, whether that's in church or doing his thing, was so important. Oh, I just, I can't, if I touch them, I'll be unclean. I'll be dirty. I'll have a bad reputation. People will think of me as, well, you're, you know, you're, you're with someone that's horrible, and we saw you with them, and, and that will hurt me in my work with the Lord. I can't minister or preach or teach or sing or help or do my things or because I, I can't touch them. So look at, look at these things here. Uh, look at what Jesus did. The Bible says, Philippians 2, 6, and 8. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. It didn't say leader there. It doesn't say high and mighty. It says a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, Jesus, help us to lay our reputation on the altar. Especially when it comes to people. Now, obviously, we want to have a good name. And we want to do godly things. But think about the balance. Before God, someone's soul... Or how others think about me. Someone's soul or my reputation. Someone's life and they're going to die. 
or how I've got to, I've got to be on my way to do things for the house of God. It's, I've got to take care of God's things. I know, I know this struggle in my life of being busy and you got to go and I got to be here for choir and I got to do this thing. I got to be a part of this meeting. And there's someone that's broke down and they're having a hard time and the battle's in my mind. Should I be late and stop and help them? Well, I can't do that. I've got to, I've got, especially if I'm the one leading it or part of it or I want to be there or it's something, something I really am excited about. Yet the Bible points out Jesus saying he was too busy and too important and too holy to touch that man. He couldn't do it. He couldn't even chance it. Mm. What does Matthew eleven nineteen 19 say? The Son of Man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking with others. And they say, behold, a glutton and a wine bibber or a wine drinker, a, fin- a friend of tax collectors and especially wicked sinners. This is the Amplified. Yet wisdom is justified and vindicated by her deeds or what she does and by her children. Wow. So important. Area number four is the things we do for God are more important than helping people. The first is about reputation. This is about doing things for God. This is the Levite. Now, the Levite was a lower rung than the priest. He still had a job to do. He was part of the temple. He was part of the hierarchy. He was pretty much a workman of the temple. Worked. Blue collar, maybe whatever you want to call it. It was the concept of someone that helped Carried things and cleaned things and fixed things and took things around. There was, the Levites had a series of jobs that was applied to them and it was important for him to be there. And he, it was okay for him. The Bible says when Jesus gave the story that the, the priest walked right on. He didn't even, like hardly even recognize. But the Levite stopped and kind of got closer and then made the decision, I'm going to go on. Now, it was a common thing for uh, bandits to use uh, like a decoy of someone that pretended to be hurt, someone that pretended to be in trouble. And then as the unsuspecting would come towards them, they'd all jump out and get, gang on them. So there was, there was a, an, a really true understanding of safety. In his mind, it was more important to be safe than take the risk and help someone. It was more important to be safe and take the risk. And I, I pray you're hearing this. This is the words of Jesus Christ. This is not my words, not making up something to give to you. This is the word of Jesus Christ. He said that man believed safety was more important. He had to do things for God. He had to do work, and it was more important than helping people. Jesus faces over and over and over again the battle between what you're supposed to do and actually helping people. How you're supposed to live, that's what the Pharisees said, and what Jesus helped people actually eat and healed them. All these things he wasn't supposed to do. Luke 6, now what happened, he was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating the grain. So the Pharisees say, why do you do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath? Because that was classified in their mind as work. They were working. And you think, you've lost the meaning, obviously. You've gotten so picky, so minute, you've forgotten about humanity. You've forgotten about people. People have got to eat, and you're just 
you're upset about them rubbing grain. Look at the work they've done. Boy, if that was my work for a day, it'd be great. Did you work today? Yeah, I, I rubbed some grain together and whew, got my work in. I can't imagine that. But to them, that was work. You've crossed the line. Now you've gone into work. That was, they're so upset. It wasn't much later. Jesus, of course, is in the temple and he says, ask of you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or destroy it? The Bible says in another um, gospel, they wouldn't speak to him. They didn't say a word. There was no, you, how can you answer that question? They didn't even speak. They wouldn't talk. Looking around at them all, he said to that one that had the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and the hand was restored. But they themselves were filled with rage. And they got together and said, how can we stop Jesus? And if you and I were there, I would, I would hope. I would hope we would look at the obvious discrepancy and say, are you joking? He just healed her hand that's been withered, all, or the man's hand, all his life. And previously, another story, the woman that could, was bowed down and could not raise herself up. He raised her up. And you're upset that he did it on a time when it made you look bad because you've said you can't do work? Don't you understand the people are more important than the things? Yes, the things are important. Yes, the Sabbath is important. You've got it out of order. And this conversation about connection is, I pray the Holy Ghost speaking to you and to me. What is important? What's the right order? What is it? What is it? What's important? The important thing is touching people. Touching people. Jesus said, I'm not here to make you guys happy. I'm not here to fill all your boxes and check your little things and say, yeah, I did this right. I'm here to help. Whoever's hungry, I'm there for those people. Whoever's hurting, I'll be there for those people. You, you're not hurting, you're not hungry. You're, you are, but you're saying you're not. Fine. That, that you just be over there. I'm going to help those who are hungry. I'm going to help those who are hurting. Oh, Jesus. I pray the Holy Ghost speaks to us right now. Error number five. God uses only the good people to help others. Now, that, that's a tough one. I struggle with that one. I thought that made sense. I thought God did use the good people. But when Jesus read the story and he said the word and the Samaritan, I had you underline that. Remember that part? His listeners knew what that meant. Oh, okay. Now the bad guy has arrived in the story. Now the story's going to take a turn. This is the worst person they could think of. Matter of fact, they called Jesus, you are a Samaritan, and you have a devil. Samaritan meant you're a heretic. You mix the things of God with the things of the world. You don't live right. You're not doing right. You're a Samaritan. He said, I don't have a devil, and I'm not a Samaritan. But they called him. That was a, that was a nasty thing they could say. The worst thing they could think about, you're a Samaritan. The, this story was so outrageous, so horrifyingly shocking, that it turned out that the really, really, really bad guy who didn't serve God right, who was a mixed breed, he actually turned out to be the hero. The only closest thing I can think about is maybe a, a concentration camp prisoner having mercy on a guard and helping him. The only thing I can think of that maybe even close is a, uh, a slave in the 1700s down south, when the horrible people, the horrible slave masters, all the slaves were, situations were horrible, but in those situations were even more egregious, having mercy on someone that fallen and helped them up. I mean, you, you think about 
it doesn't make sense that that guy would help this guy. And that the Samaritan would help the Jew. They went out of their way to avoid talking to them. They wouldn't go through their land. They walked a longer distance to be away from them. Jesus talked to a Samaritan woman and she was shocked. How is it that you talk to me? Jews don't talk to Samaritans. We're, we're less than. We're like the dogs. We're at the bottom. We're mixed. We're a half-breed. When Jesus said, and the Samaritan, he begins to talk, they knew. Okay, here's the bad guy. You know what? I found another verse where a bad guy was used. And there's several of them, actually. Look at this one in 2 Kings 14. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, which was very bitter. For there was neither bond nor free, nor was there, was there any helper in Israel. The Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from heaven. But he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Whoa! No. Is that right? He, go start again. Hold on. He saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. The worst guy you can think about in the Bible that instituted idolatry and evil things. God used him to save his people. And, and here's the message that, I, that I'm hearing from the Lord for myself right now. If the priest will walk on by and the Levite will check on him but keep on walking, you know what? God will send somebody. It may not be someone you and I would approve of or think that they're, they should ever preach behind this pulpit. Or someone that we'd ever think, well, that, they, they know, they've got the Acts 38 message. God will send someone to have mercy upon them. And I think, Lord, if you can have, use the guy that's not the good guy in the story, what is the message to the people? Oh, Lord, help us wake up and realize it's so important. Souls are lost. God can speak through donkeys. I, I, God can speak through inanimate objects. God can move things that, that doesn't make sense. That's not your plan. God can go outside the building if he has to, to rescue somebody. He can speak on, to someone that's lost out in a bar and tell about how they were saved and how they used to have it and use that to bring him into the building. That's happened so many times. Why does it happen? Because the priest is walking on by and the Levites got other things to do and the church is so busy with its thing and nobody wants to connect. Ooh, I, I am talking to myself so much. I pray the Holy Ghost works in me and I pray the message connects with you. Error number six, I can help people and make a difference with very little effort. Boy, some of you would laugh out loud because you are involved in helping people and you know it's not very little effort. <laughs> He can say, well, I'm going to say to them, I'm praying for you, love you, God bless you, be with you, send your card. Look at, look at the story. Go back to the very beginning. Turn back. I know it's, it's sacrilege to go backwards in your page. Go backwards just for a minute. I, we won't tell nobody. Go back there. Look, what, look at all that he did. He saw him, the certain Samaritan, had compassion on him. I'm right in the middle there. See that? Went to him, bound up his wounds. Whew, I'm already getting tired. Pouring in oil and wine. Getting phone calls about where you at. You got you to get to this thing. You got to be here. Set him on his own beast. Okay, this is getting, this is taking sweat and energy. It's probably smelly. Took out money. Money? I wasn't going to, we were not going to get to money. You had to pay money to help people? Gave him to the host, the guy at the end. Said, you take care of him. Whatever you spend more, what? When I come again, I'll repay thee. This guy had an envelope system. 
he was he had his money together. Lord was working with him. He had his finances together. He was the Lord. The Lord. Look at that. He he wasn't just saying, "Look, I don't know. I don't have any money, but I hope to help, help you." When I come again, I'll pay you back whatever the cost was. How many of you today would say, "I'm going to help you take you to the hospital. I'm going to pay your hospital bill, and you let let me know what the bill is, the X-rays, and I'll take care of the rest of it." I mean, we'd all be like, "Oh, okay, that's that's too much. You're going too far." The error that we get in our life is that we can help people and make a difference with very little effort. What did Luke eleven forty six say? Jesus says, Woe to you, lawyers, as well, for you weigh down men with burdens hard to bear, while yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Galatians, brethren, if, even if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness or gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Bear one another's burdens. How do I fulfill the law of Christ? How do I do what God wants you to do? Bear one another's burdens. If I don't know specific direction from the Lord, what is God's direction? Bear one another's burdens. Mm. Jesus showed us insights into how he was a friend of sinners and how we can follow in his steps. Matthew eleven eighteen. this is another uh, gospel that says that verse we've read before. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking. You say, he's possessed by a demon. This is Jesus talking. The Son of Man, referring to himself, on the other hand, he eats, Feast and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. The first insight is I can be a friend and not approve of everything my friend does. I have struggled with this for such a long time. Acceptance and approval. Acceptance and approval. Jesus was able to accept people. This is the day of acceptance, he said. That was part of his opening message. The acceptable year of the Lord is right now and still not approve. I'm with them. They're heeding with me. He th- the people outside, the religious leaders say, don't you know who she is and who that guy is? And look at the people over here down the end of the table. Aren't you doing something about them? I love them. That's acceptance. That doesn't mean I approve. Wow, what a powerful difference. Isn't that wonderful? It's exciting and yet scary because as a church body, we want to be separate from the world and not be affected by it. Yet, the people that really need us are the world. So we've got to, with God's help and his direction, be in the world enough to effectively touch lives. I didn't put this in paper either. I'm telling you, I've got so much material. I've just got reams of it. The Essenes, they're a little-known group. We have the Pharisees, we got the Sadducees, and we have the Essenes, E-S-S-E-N-E-S. The Essenes, special group. They're, uh, they're barely known. There's a couple of verses that could be referring to the Essenes, maybe the guy that was carrying the jug of water. Um, these people meticulously observed the law of Moses, the Sabbath and ritual purity. They profess belief in immortality, um, divine punishment from sins. 
But unlike the other groups, they refused to be a part of public life. They did not want to touch people or be around or get dirty or be affected or be just become unholy by getting around people. With few exceptions, they shunned temple worship. They were content to live lives of manual labor in seclusion. They would go to caves and stay there. After a year's probation, if you want to be in a scene, you have a year's probation. You, then you get your Essene emblems, but you cannot participate in the common meals for two more years. You got to stay away from people. People will, people will make you, ooh, they'll infect you. They'll make you worldly. This is what they're thinking. This is how they behaved. Those who qualified for membership did several things. One of them was they did not touch women. They didn't touch anybody, especially women, <laughs> which might be good for all of us. But never, that's just a joke, a bad joke anyway. But they, were, they really were. And one of the things they did was they, re, they retreated so far into caves to live their lives in the caves, just barely venturing out just to trade and come back in again because they don't want the world to affect them. Now, you can figure out, especially not touching women, what's going to happen. This group of 4,000 or so dies. They die off. The good thing they did was they are the ones who gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls. When we went, to, the people dug up the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was in those caves. They preserved the Word of God. Here's a horrible thing. A preserved Word of God is like powerful salt that only lives its life in a salt shaker. Nothing is salted by it. Nothing's preserved by it. No meat is changed by it. It's got to get out of the salt shaker before it changes things. It's the beautiful grain of wheat Jesus talked about that just stayed in the barn with a gorgeous bag of grain of wheat and was comfy and cozy and untouched by the ground. But Jesus said, unless it goes into the ground and dies, it abides alone. Mm. Church of the living God, hear the message I'm telling you. We're talking about connecting to the world. Here we've got to be careful. We can't connect to the world so, so that they bring us away from God. But if I truly have a hold of the things of the Lord, if I've got an electrical current running through my life, it will change those I'm around. I can't imagine what the power would be to have Jesus Christ at a supper somewhere, any dinner, any place, anybody's house, how it changed that room. The Bible didn't say he was there at parties or at some drunken gathering or at some place that would be useless for him to be a benefit from. That There is a distinction. There's a difference. There's a place that that's not going to help. It can't be a benefit. But there is something about being there. I, I never forget... This happened so many times I didn't know what it was about until I grew older. But mom would take us and go to an Italian wedding. Um, I don't know, so-and-so, somebody. Uncle, there was always Uncle Joe in there. It was a Tony. It was a Marie, somebody, Marianne, somebody. I don't know. Other names I couldn't pronounce. We would go to the wedding. We'd be there, talk to people, be kind, be nice. Everything was fine. We went to the reception. I was glad because they get the food and the cake. Other part was boring. And we're here, and all of a sudden, mom would say, okay, kids, it's time for us to go. And I would say, mom, they're just starting doing things, you know. This guy's getting a drum over here, and they're getting some music, and no, no, they're getting the alcohol out, and they're gonna, it's not going to be beneficial for us to be here. It took me a while to get, I didn't know what that was about. But there was a line. It was very important for her to have us there 
to talk, to connect, to be around. But there was a point when she recognized from her own childhood, there'll be a point when you can't really talk to people because they won't be able to really understand what you're saying. They've gone past that point. So in the same way, there's a, there's a cry of my heart. I don't want to be the Essenes. I don't want to be lost. But I want to be Jesus Christ in this earth. I want to make a difference. I want to connect. Oh, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost, and I pray God is speaking to you. What is insight number two? A friend spends time with people. Time. And tells them the truth in love. Mm. Paul said speaking the truth in love. That, that's, a, that's a category. That means you're in love, not you just speak the truth in a loving way. So if there's a, if there's a, a, a township in this area called Love, like there's a township, like there's many other townships, not a, not a city, but a township, an area, a municipality, and you've got to go stand and be in love to be in love. First you're there. Now you can speak the truth if you're in there. You can't speak the truth when you're not over there. How do I do that? I've got to have a little bit of love between you and me. There's got to be something to show I care about you. Then I, then, um, our pastor talks about the moral authority. I don't have that without knowing that we have something that connects us. Now I'm standing in love. Now I can speak the truth. Many people try it the other way around. I'm just going to tell them what they need to hear. But you're not in love. You're not in the area of territory of love. Therefore, your words don't make a difference. They hurt, actually. They cut. Anybody know that in their life? Testimony of that? You've seen it? You've heard it? You've been that person? Luke 19.2 says, There was a man called Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. This is not a parable. This really happened. Chief tax collector is the worst of sinners at that time. Real simple story. This is how it works. Roman government says, over this province, over this section, over this little city, we want so much money. What one of you will turn on your friends and give us at least that much money or more? Whoever gives us the highest bid becomes a tax collector. So Zacchaeus said, I'll give so much money, more than everybody else said. You're a tax collector now. Now you're going to go to your friends, your family. You're going to extort from them and get from them money to pay the Romans. But the benefit to Zacchaeus is that they don't know how much money he's taken. So if he said 4000 and he takes six, then he gets the two. If he said ten and he brings in twenty, that's all for him. He was despised because of all people. You, you're one of us, Zacchaeus. You shouldn't be working against us, but that's what he loved to do. He was a tax collector. They believed he was the lowest. Find the bottom, find the worst, find the horrible, find the dirtiest, find the pitiful. And then at the bottom of that is the tax collector. And the Bible says, and he was rich. So he did a good job of collecting taxes. Not in a, not in a legal way or a godly way, he just got more money. When Jesus reached the place where he was, and he was the little guy that climbed into the tree, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down. That right there, that's, that's love. That's not speaking the truth. Jesus at this point did not say anything about your, your horrible ways of stealing from your own neighbors and your family and your, your brothers. You're hurting people around you and, and being a stench in the nostrils. He, he's not saying that. This is love. I'm going to come be with you. Of all the people here that want my time and attention, I'm going to be with you in your house. 
So he, he came down and received him and welcomed him joyfully. When the people saw it, they were so upset. They all muttered among themselves, indignantly complaining, he's gone to be the guest and lodge with a man who's devoted to sin and preeminently a sinner, the worst. In the next two verses, something happened. Some words were said. Maybe it was just the spirit. Something caused Zacchaeus to say, I'm going to change my life. I'm different. I'm going to pay back everything I've stole. I'm going to give it back. And if, and if I've taken anything wrongly, I'm going to do it like, I forget now, three to four times, whatever it was. I'm going to change. I'm, I'm different because of this. My life has changed. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man has come to seek. That's to look for, to find. I found you. And to save that which is lost. Whoa. Insight number three. The Pharisees taught a hands-off approach to sinful people. It was exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Colossians 2, Paul quotes them, the Pharisees, when they say, do not handle, do not touch, don't handle, do not taste, don't even touch them, referring to all things, the things all which perish are being used. To do this is to follow human priests and doctrines. Jesus knew Leviticus 5 and 3. If you touch any unclean man, whatever cleanness it be of that man shall defile with all and be hid from him. If he knows it, he'll be guilty. Jesus knew that you'll be guilty of Old Testament law of touching anybody with leprosy. Yet, in Matthew chapter 2, a leper came and worshipped and said, Lord, if you will, if you, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately leprosy was cleansed. Insight number four. We must remember that Jesus taught that saving people was the reason why he was here. And it's the only reason why we are here. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, Amplified says, how can its saltness be restored? It's not good for anything any longer, but you're thrown out, walked on by people. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstead. And it gives light to all the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Wow. The light of the world. I often wonder, and I don't think it applies to this church, but to other churches as well, especially other Pentecostal churches I've visited in my life, I wonder if the rapture happened and those 50 or 80 people were gone, if it happened like that, how long would it take for people in the community even to realize that they were gone? How long would it take? Would it be a couple days? Obviously, family, they would figure out something. But it would be a week. Would it be a couple weeks? Would it be a month? To even know that anybody was going to that building anymore? That, that's the message the Lord's talking to me about light. We are not supposed to be a light hid, but a light that shines. A light that shines. And a light that shines can make those who live in darkness uncomfortable. That's the truth. But at least it's shining. At least it's shining. 
Connecting with others is not going to be pleasing to myself. Romans says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his building up or edification. For even Christ did not please himself. Wow, that caught my attention. I want to do a work for you, Lord. I want to minister, Lord. I want to be used of you, Lord. But it's not going to be pleasing to my flesh to do it. We've got to recognize that. If we say to ourselves, this is just so uncomfortable, or I don't want to feel like doing it, or I don't know why, this is not what I want to do, or I don't feel any motivation to do this, or it's not my nature, it's not my personality, to talk to them or pray for them or encourage them. Whoa, wait a minute. Jesus said, it's not going to be pleasing to me. At least in my flesh. In my spirit, eventually it's going to be pleasing. He did say, when they came back with food, I have already been fed. I have meat to eat that you know not of. What's your meat, Lord? To touch this woman, talk to her at the well, to tell her about the things of life. I've, I've, I'm full. Who brought him bread? Who brought him food? I, we got him sandwiches. We got panini. We got all this beautiful stuff. He said, I, I, I'm already full. I've got, I've got bread. Jesus thought it was more important to go to the people instead of being satisfied with his success in one area. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. The people sought him, came to him, and stayed with him. That he should not depart from them. Don't leave us. We're doing great here. This is a great ministry. He said to them, no, 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 no. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. God has missionaries in this church. God has home missionaries in this church. God has people that are doing missionary work on a day-by-day basis. God has people in this church who are called of God to do a, maybe a day trip work or just a, a work at their office or job or school or situation. Yet, the most natural thing for us to do is to say no to that and stay in a happy place, just nice here and comfortable and not get out. Mm. What does Luke 14 say? And the servant said, Lord... It is done as you've commanded, and yet there's still room. He's the one that got people to come to the banquet that others wouldn't come to. And the Lord said to the servant, go out into the highways, the hedges, compel them to come in, that my house will be filled. And what did Jesus say? One of the last things he said to his disciples before he lifted off the earth, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Connections. I can't think of anything that's more important than connections. I can't think of anything that transforms life like connections. So here's my confession. I've been praying about this for before I ever knew I was going to do this. Saying, Lord, I, I have got to make a difference. I have got to find someone I can minister to. I can got to find people I can touch. And the Lord put this back in my mouth again. It's been a long while since I've, since I've thought this phrase, but it came back to me again. Um, and I, I, I begin to just think about it. Lord, I'm, I've got to find someone. I've got to be led by you. I've got, to, I've, got to be, I've got to have people I am baptizing. I've got to have people that I'm ministering to. I've got to have people that, that I 
that I, I can see their lives being changed. And before I tell you that, I want you to go to your Bibles. I know it's not in your notes. You might want to add it there. But we're in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to close here real shortly. Before I do that, I want you to, I want you to look at this. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking about Moses. In verse 13, Moses had a veil in his face, so the people couldn't see all that was going on. Their minds are blinded. For unto this day, he says, the Jewish people, they remain that same veil, untaken away from when they read the Old Testament. They, don't, they can't see that that's Jesus Christ. Even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is on their heart. Nevertheless, now you should circle 16, you should write it down somewhere, you should underline it, you should put it somewhere where you'll memorize it. When it shall turn to the Lord, or when they shall turn to the Lord, the veil will be taken away. Or Amplified says, whenever a person turns in repentance of the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. So, I love the Word of God, but when I read that I thought to myself, hold on, Paul, can you go back and check with the Lord and make sure that's what he meant you to say? Because I think you got it backwards. I think what you should say is, when they understand, then they'll obey the Lord. That, that's how it makes sense to me. Tell them what they're missing. Oh, now I get it. And then they will take that step and obey the Lord. But it's obvious that the word was not a mistake. It's correct. This is what the word says. When they take a step, then they'll say, oh, I understand. <gasps> Through the door of obedience, open it up. Through that door, now comes understanding. Someone says, I don't even know what this is about. I'm just going to raise my hands. I don't know why we do this. I know I read it. I'm not sure. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, now I, I understand it now. I see this now. Someone says, why would I live this way? Why would I do that? I don't know, walk in obedience to the Lord. And all of a sudden, understanding follows. When they, when they obey, then the veil is taken away. I think it should be the other way around, but God says no. First, you take a step towards someone and you say, I, I don't know how to go about this. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I'm sure I'm not, but I just want to tell you about what the Lord's done in my life. And then all of a sudden, now understanding comes. Through the door of obedience, understanding pops. Wow, I didn't realize that. I give and then later on, I'm understanding, oh, now I see, I get that. I can be talked to about baptism, and I can get it, basically understand it. But then I'm baptized, and I come out and say, oh, looking back, now I see, I get that. I understand that now. I, I pray and say, Lord, I, I wish I had your definition about the Holy Ghost, and understanding what I'm going to say, and what words I can say and not say, and help me know what to do first. What's A? What's B? What's C? What? happened. And instead I say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I love you. And I begin to speak in tongues. And then, then I understand. Oh, the, the Lord wants to call us, but we're many times wanting, Lord, if you'll just help me understand, then I'll do it. And the Lord says, if you'll just do it, then you'll understand it. If you'll take a step, then I'll explain it to you. If you'll say yes, then I'll say, here's what's happening. Oh, Lord, I just feel the Holy Ghost. And that, and that verse is so here I am at, uh, and he's not here tonight. I, I um, wanted that to happen, but the Lord knows 
situation. I'm praying that prayer I've told you about. So Thursday, I went to, uh, I called Delish Cafe, uh, the restaurant there, and I said I want to get a salad. I was working over here, uh, typing, and uh, they said I'd be ready in 10 minutes. And someone called me, and then I was working on this other appraisal thing, and before you know it, 10 minutes became 20 minutes, so I rushed over there thinking I had kind of been late. And they were kind to had the salad sitting to the side. And um, as I stepped in there, there's a cash register right, you see right in front of the door, and there's a booth right here, right next to the door. And there was a young guy uh, rubbing his forehead and just uh, squinting and just really pressed in his head, and I said, uh, I said, how you doing, bro? Are you okay? What's, what's wrong? He said, well, I think I just, too many, uh, too many tackles in football and probably too many uh, concussions when I played in college. I just, sometimes bright lights, sometimes things bother me, and he said, I've just been, I've been just really hurting. So I said, okay, Lord, here we go. I said, you know what I prayed for today? He said, what? I said, I prayed that God would send me someone I could pray for, that I could encourage, and I could share the word with. And he stood up, and he started talking about how his mom died and how the Lord was there. And I said, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you right now. And he said, well, sure. So he just put his hands down and stood right there. I, we were right on top of traffic. The Delish Cafe person was waiting with my salad. And I just put my hand on his back and started praying for him, praying the Lord would touch his body. And he followed me out, exchanged numbers. He had to go to the hospital on Saturday. Um, he said, you know, he was just struggling with some things, really bound up and fighting. And I went there, took Grant with me, my, my uh, uh, son Grant. And I prayed with Grant on the way there. I said, God, put words in my mouth. Let it not be me, but the Holy Ghost speak through me. And we talked, and I, he said, I shouldn't be in this position. I've got a, I've got a business degree, and, and I, I didn't go to, go to college on a scholarship. I worked my way through it, and my life is just a mess, and I'm struggling. And I said, this is not your end. The Lord put me and you together. Do you recognize that I was, I was supposed to be there, and you were supposed to have left, but the Lord connected us? That was not an accident. God has got a plan for your life. If you'll just trust him. He said, I, 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 want, I want a Bible study. And I told him about that. He said, I want to come to your church. I want to be there. And the, I said, I told, my, told others, I said, I'm going to be baptizing him in Jesus' name. I know it's going to happen. I know that's the work of God. I don't understand. I don't know how to do it right. But I know God's powerful. And he can change things. He can transform broken lives. There's, I told myself, there's a thousand people like that that I pass by every day that just want hope, just want someone to say, this is not how it has to be, that there is something better than this. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. I tried it again on Friday, but it didn't work out so well. (laughs) We went to, was traveling from some godforsaken Bainbridge rural community farm, who knows where in the world, coming down (laughs) some way up there, you know, all places up there. And we said, let's go to Greencastle. And Jeff Huttiger always says, where do you want to eat? Because I, I want to go someplace I've never been before. I want to go someplace outlandish or weird or strange or fun or unusual. So, so I said, let's look on Yelp, my favorite thing. So we said, there's Mama, Mama Nuns. It's, um, it's Italian, but it has, it has, uh, it has barbecue. It's got, uh, calzone and it has, um, it has ribs. I mean, you know, that's a great combination. You can't beat both those things. So we drove up. 
place looked like it was deserted. Owner came out and met us. He said, no, I'm just working with some lights. Sat down, started telling me a story about life. Told me about how everything was against him. His daughter died. I said, you know what, Frank? Frank Nunzio Kalina, I think it is. I said, Frank, you know what? I prayed today. I said, okay, here we go, Lord. I prayed God would send me to someone that I could pray with, encourage, and share the word with. And he said, well, Jesus is my Savior and my little girl's Savior. But just before that, he talked about how the DePaul basketball coach should blankety-blank blank himself. So um, I don't know if Jesus, I don't know how, I don't know if how he's doing. He didn't really want prayer, but I thought, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk to him. I mean, what is the worst thing could happen? That he just doesn't want me to pray for him and talk to him? I'm just, stay with me, would you? I, I pray that this is not too emotional for the Holy Ghost. Talk to the Lord right now. Would you just put your hands in the air? Someone say, Jesus, talk to me. Jesus, talk to me. Jesus, connect me with people that are hungry for you. Jesus, lead me to hungry people. Jesus, connect me with those right now that are praying. Oh, Lord, if you're real, send somebody my way. Jesus, connect me with someone that's right now saying, I don't know if there's a way out of this. I don't know if there's a pathway out of this. Jesus, open my eyes. I'm so blinded by my things I have to do and stuff I'm involved with, even church things, Lord. I don't even see the hungry and the hurting. They're right around me. I pray. Pray the Holy Ghost to grip this church, a transformational point in our life, Lord, to realize this is your purpose. It's why you are here. You came for that reason. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Spirit of the living God. Come on, someone. Just take a moment right now. Just 30 more seconds and talk to the Lord. Lord, I'm here. An open door. I want you to help me. Help me in spite of myself. Help me to get beyond myself. I know I'm my own worst enemy, Lord. I'll argue with myself and talk myself out of it. Help me to have faith in you and trust you that if I take a step, you'll provide the understanding. You'll provide the words. You'll provide the right things to say to the right person at the right time in the right place. Mmm. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and thank Him for this word He's given to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for taking time to be with us. Thank you for speaking to us. You never leave us alone. Thank you for your power, your might, dominion. I love you, Lord. I love your ways. It's so awesome when you change people that seem to be unchangeable, when you work on hard hearts that can't be moved, and yet you make them soft, when you take people that are distant and far from you and wandering and running the wrong direction and find some way to turn them around. I want to see that in my life every day, Lord, that you want me to. And every day that I can, Lord, find, let me find hungry people all around me, I pray. Cover this blessed church, this wonderful assembly. Keep us in the Holy Ghost till we meet again, I pray, in the matchless and priceless name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, God bless you.